T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, it's been a, a few days, a few days, about a week. I apologize to everybody. Uh, I've been negligent in posting this podcast, been running around, been on the road. Uh, but I feel like, you know, if we're going to do one this week, it has to be a strong one. And, and this is a strong one. I'm going to tell you right now, Steve Peralt of the Section 10 podcast, uh, a lot of people know who he is. I know who he is because he was the one who had to write down every time that Kirk and Callahan ripped uh, <laughs> ripped Nesson when working for Nesson. Uh, is that correct, Steve? That is, that is very correct. And let, let it be known that, that that took a lot of time. Because they would frequently rip Nesson on Nesson's airwaves, and I think they enjoyed that more than anything, specifically Kirk. Okay, so Steve, first of all, this this t- tell everybody a little bit about yourself if you can, and then we'll get to your podcast. I do want to loop back on the Nesson thing because listen, I mean that's like that's like a straight ball right down the middle for me. So uh, so so tell tell us a little bit about you know where you came from, what you're doing, and how the how your podcast is going. Yeah, for sure. So a, a quick breakdown. I uh, I went to Endicott College. That's kind of what started this whole thing. I know uh, Jared and Pete Blackburn, who are also, we kind of did the whole podcast out of the gate. We all went to Endicott, so go that's, Bulls. And that's, um, and that's Jared Carabas. I should have mentioned, yes, Jared Carabas, obviously, the other integral part of the podcast. Pete Blackburn was on there. Yeah, so when we, it was basically us three, and we were doing that for a while. I mean, I had... Uh, so just uh, I'll, I'll just do a quick timeline here. So basically, graduate Endicott, trying to get into the sports industry, as a lot of people are doing. And I end up at Nesson, and, and I was there for about two and a half years as a production assistant there. And a lot, a lot of ups and downs at Nesson. It's not, uh, to be completely blunt, it's, it's definitely not the easiest place to work. I think there's a lot of people that come and go uh, with Nesson. I think it's... It's a great opportunity, especially at that point. I was 22 years old, so it was, it was a great chance to uh, get used to how the industry works, get to see how wild a live TV environment is, uh, how quickly news changes, and, and getting to work with anchors and, and, and people, even even like yourself. I mean, we, we Brad Foe's on for basically every Red Sox pregame show, and you get to realize the people in the Boston sports industry that – you like and maybe the people you don't like because you get to see what they're like on camera and what they're like off camera and that was kind of a big introduction to me into specifically the behind the scenes stuff of, of how tv works and and yeah i think my my favorite at least favorite part of nesson was doing the telecasts uh, i think it was from like six to ten or six to nine in the morning of dennis and callahan and uh that was something that i think was never meant to be on nesson i think that Nesson obviously is is kind of known for not having a ton, not being over the top with opinions. I think Comcast Sportsnet or whatever they are now, NBC Sports Boston, 
uh, kind of has more personalities and can they let their people go yeah, you know they let their people off the off the chain a little bit more than the Nesson does but Kirk and Callahan they definitely like to talk and they definitely like to be controversial so that that made for a very interesting three hours every morning from Monday to Friday and and that was something that I definitely enjoyed for the most part but it was also it was also a wild ride but. yeah so so you're so as I said your part of your responsibility from what I understand was to literally every time that they ripped Nesson that you had to document it right Yes. So basically, I would keep a document on the side during the show uh, that would basically it ended up being a list of things that Kirk said that he probably shouldn't have said about Nesson. And it actually became a running joke at the company because that list grew seemingly every week. And so it would sometimes it would get onto the second page. And I'm like, Kirk, this is this is really something. Um, But to kind of take it full, full circle, I remember the last show that they had. It was on Halloween of uh, 2013, I believe, the last one before Nesson and uh, Dennis and Callahan parted ways. And Kirk brought in strippers into the studio. And because we it's it's a live telecast. So we have shots of there of the the studio there at WEI. And he brought strippers in because he's like, you know what? Screw Nesson. We we don't like them. They don't like us. And so we didn't know where to put the cameras. We ended up going to a camera that was just like facing a wall. (laughs) Just just had that. We had that rolling for like the last five minutes of the show. And then we just cut to commercials. And that that was it. That was was the end of DNC on Nesson. But I mean, that was that was a. It was a great experience. I mean, as, as wild as it sounds, but um, that essentially, I, I was, I wasn't, I don't know. Not to say I wasn't built for that that world, that the TV world, because the hours are so crazy. But I was definitely ready for the next thing, um, and that was about when I started the podcast. That's when I reached out to Jared uh, Carabas via LinkedIn, actually, which is as weird uh, a way as you can reach out to someone as I, I think possible. But I didn't know how else to reach out to him. I know Gary Streisky was a, a guest, and I was really close with Gary when he was at Nesson, and. I saw that he was on this podcast, and I was like, "This this sounds like something I want to get involved with." I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, a little too obsessed. I follow this team a little too much, and I knew that I could. I had some editing skills, and I could add something to the show in a producer role. And you know, now we're on episode 168. A couple years later, I'm working in Bleacher Report in New York now, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. So when you so when you you start doing the podcast, and you get it out of Nesson, do you go straight from Nesson to Bleacher Report? There was a little gap there. I, I wrote for a site called ESPN New Hampshire, uh, which sounds like a made-up site, but that was, was actually kind of enjoyable because it got my writing skills up a little bit. I'd never really been overly into the the writing scene. I don't know. It just if I I would get bored writing content about the team, then I'm like, well, if I'm bored, then no one's going to read this. So I, that really wasn't for me. Um, I mean, the Bleacher Report thing has worked out well. Basically, uh, I'll work on the app there, and we, we try to create as much cool content as we possibly can. I enjoy social media a lot. I mean, it's it's basically uh, guides my existence now, which is kind of pathetic how long I'm on uh, – how many hours I'm on Twitter. I, I, if you had added it up, it would really be embarrassing. But um, it, it, we're at the point now where it's – you know, we've created an environment on Twitter – for Red Sox fans to engage with us during the games, and and we've kind of created this clan almost uh, in in uh, you know Red Sox Nation, if you will, of people that know what we do on the podcast, kind of know what we're about, know that we're laid back, we don't take ourselves too seriously, 
and it's pretty fun during the games. It's like a, a live chat essentially on Twitter during during the Red Sox game. So I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. So so let's go to the podcast. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about you know you guys have a, a great podcast, and uh, as you said, I remember. I think I remember. Those Streisky episodes, the Streisky episodes, they're always yeah. be known as the Streisky episodes, and that's really when it came on my radar because I felt like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I felt like for for you guys that was like that was a get, that was a big get, like the Gary Streisky. We got Gary Streisky, and now we're on our way. And part of that is the social media. Streisky, the striker, is going to push that out. He had a following, but am I am I wrong in that? Is that when we're talking about the, what was that like episode what? Because we had Gary on twice. That was episode uh, ten. So that that was that was way back when. That was in the team. The team sucked. The team was really bad. And and that season in 2015, we really relied on guests. That was we needed guests badly because there was nothing really positive to talk about with that team. Brock Holt was the only All Star. That kind of sums up that team. And yeah, so getting Gary. No, to your point, that's completely accurate. He it was. It was like when you're when you're talking about these guys, you're talking about the people in the Boston sports industry, you're talking about the Red Sox every week. You, you feel like you're almost on the outside looking in when you don't actually talk directly with these these people. And getting Gary, that kind of broke the wall down a little bit. It kind of made it like, okay, now we're not just talking about the team, but we're talking about people that are affiliated with the team and that have a following on Twitter and that can yeah, that can promote our our product. And and that was a huge thing. To have Gary on because up until that it had really just been you know us just kind of shooting the breeze and, and nothing um, nothing overly significant you know significant going down on the show so yeah that was that was definitely a big deal and it is funny to say it's a huge get to get Gary because I've been working with him for like a year um, and he's such a I mean you know Streisky yeah. like he, he is such a goofball and uh, but he's awesome he's exactly the kind of guest that we would want for our show because he doesn't take himself too seriously. So when we go back to that, and, and listen, I mean, this is the thing. This is sort of why I'm, I'm talking about this, is that the podcast world, it's become, to me, it's become sort of like the Internet was when when newspapers had the Internet. They knew that they should have it, but they didn't know what to do with it. And then everybody had it, and then now all of a sudden, and also it's sort of with blogs. You have a bunch of these. Everyone, oh, I should have a podcast because everyone's having a podcast. When you were guys do or doing it, I feel like it was a little bit of the head of the curve. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it was a little bit ahead of the curve. There wasn't this oversaturation of podcasts, certainly. And did you feel like when you're doing this podcast, did you feel like, how do we separate ourselves? Because that's all we talk about now. How do we separate the podcast, this podcast from that podcast? Did you feel that out of the gate even when the, the Streisky episodes were going on? Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I'm just glad that I had actually reached out to Jared because it was kind of a shot in the dark. I mean, I knew my time at Nesson was kind of, you know, going to be over soon and we were going to be parting ways. And... I, had, I hadn't really listened to a ton of podcasts. I think the Bill Simmons, the BS report was like the only thing that I would tune into occasionally. But as crazy as it sounds, even three years ago, podcasts weren't that big. It wasn't a huge deal. It wasn't anywhere near what it is today. And so I think partially we kind of, I don't want to say we lucked out, but we definitely kind of got in before this huge wave, before this huge obsession of, of podcasts has kind of taken over uh, this industry. So that was very important that we... It did feel like a head start. It really did. It felt like 
the longer that we did the show and the more we built our audience and started getting guests and, um, you know, just built a, a brand that you couldn't get elsewhere, I think that's when it felt like, okay, we have something here. It honestly, it took a little while to feel like we had something that was worth investing all the time in. And, and I think that's normal. I mean, I, I'll even ask you with your show, like, what what was... What got you going for the Bradfoe show? Was it just that, hey, podcasts are the new hot thing, or that you knew that you could create something that was different than what other people are doing? No, I think I think it was basically that it was something new. It was something that you kind of felt like, oh, I can do this. It's sort of like when I'll relate it to blogging. When we, I started blogging, it wasn't Mike Reese was really the blogger. He was the guy. And yeah. and then all right, we'll do this blog thing. And then you get going. It was out ahead of the curve a little bit. And so I felt like it was along those lines, but you're doing it, and I felt like I've always felt like I'm sort of swimming upstream because I'm doing it, but I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it well. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I'm not promoting it the right way, and and I and that's the challenge to me. Certainly the challenge now because there's so many of them. But even early on, it was just it was just something else to do. I'll tell you a quick story. The uh, I was sort of doing, I guess you could call it the podcast. I think I called it the Bradford Files way back in the day, and, and, which is, you know, whatever. So, so, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So, uh, so it was the Adrian Gonzalez year, 2012. Now, we were down in the clubhouse when the shit was hitting the fan in Baltimore after it was the whole story. Remember that story about the coaches having the meeting, that whole thing? Oh, yeah. So this is around, um, oh, well, 2012, I was going to say, I, I didn't know if this run, it wasn't in God's plan, you know, type of territory. No, that, that was that was the end of the year. But this was yeah. this was the Jeff Passon story had just come out. Bobby, we were in Baltimore. Bobby Valentine was a manager. Um, everyone was sort of covering their ass and so forth and so on. So, but uh, but the, the, the meeting with the coaches thing happened. Adrian Gonzalez was sort of right in the middle of it. So I go to Adrian Gonzalez. I said, hey, you know, you want to explain yourself. And so he says, okay, uh, tomorrow or whatever. So the next day, I, now I know I need audio for the radio. So the thing is, is that there's always this hazy ground. Am I doing an inter- interview for the radio or I'm doing it for writing? So I go, uh, I, so I, what I say to him, like, all right, I'm going to do this for my podcast. Now, I didn't even have really a podcast, but that was the best way I could, like, relate to him. I am using this audio. And then, so, so, so Gonzalez explains himself. All the other writers are sort of on the outskirts, right, uh, waiting, waiting for this to get over. And then I leave to run up to send the audio in, and Adrian and everyone comes after Adrian Gonzalez, and he goes, "I already just told Rob for his podcast." I'm like, I'm, "That's all I'm talking." I'm like, and so it's a running joke. Like I didn't even have a podcast, but so, but I felt like so maybe that was the impetus for it. Maybe that was where this whole thing was born. But to come back to your original point, like I, I just feel like it was it was something that you should do. But the problem is, and I think you guys did a good job of this. You guys did it well out of the gate, and then there's Jamokes like me who who didn't, do, who just sort of was trying to piece it together, and in, in bad audio or bad interviews or no construction to it. And so I think that you guys were able to sort of get the organized construct of it, which is I think is important. It was certainly important when you're out of the head of the curve, like you guys were. Yeah, so for for getting that audio, so did you kind of make up the podcast aspect just because you knew it would help you get that bite? Yeah, 
So I mean, no, I mean, there was no podcast. He didn't. I don't. He. It wasn't like, oh, let me go check. I don't think he was going to de- do a deep dive in the wei. dot com to see where the podcast channel was. But, but I mean, I guess. Aegon's like, hold up, hold up. Let me let me check the site and, and see, how, you know, the legitimacy behind this yeah. Bradford Files nonsense. Yeah, I guess. You know, I guess it really didn't matter because, like, it's. I don't think they care so much. They know that sort of the audio's going on, but it was this weird. There was always uh, now. It's just every. It's just accepted. If you're going to be interviewed, it could be ended up at audio, or whatever. But yeah. there was that weird, like, "Hey, are we having this casual conversation where you're <laughs> swearing and and uh, or, or you know?" So anyway, it was it was a hazy ground, and I tried to uh, to to limit the the chasm of that hazy ground with with a made up podcast. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't even. So I, I'd have to rely on you for this because I was graduating college around then. Like when I didn't even know the phrase podcast at that point. You said 2012, like so. Like, when did that actually even? Like, was there was there a podcast you remember listening to and being <laughs> like, "Hey, I kind of want to emulate this." No, no, I, I I don't know where it came from. I I remember Steve. I remember back in I was at the Lil Sun. This is you you know you were in grade school, whatever. <laughs> but it was I was back at the Lil Sun and Mike Reese was blogging, and this was a big thing. I wrote a story for the Lil Sun, and I was going to do it on blogging, and I literally turned to someone. I said, "What's a blog?" Like, and by the way, the little son was not the place to turn to someone and ask what a blog was. Uh, but, it, but it, it was sort of the same thing. I knew what a podcast was. I knew it was sort of audio. I, I mean, I, I would imagine there were. I didn't listen to podcasts. Certainly, I ought to be honest with you. I don't listen to a bunch now. I don't. But, um, but it was. I think it was just sort of a. a a thing, but that speaks to like what you guys are doing or, or what we're doing and are doing is that it was so important to stay out, be ahead of the curve, and once again be be good. Uh, the, you know, I'm, I'm sure that your podcast has evolved, but still, it is to have something where people could actually listen to doesn't sound like the lost Lou Merloni tapes of a couple weeks ago. So. <laughs> Uh, that is true. That's a good point. Yeah, so so you guys had your shit together, I think, pretty early on. Don't, I mean, don't you feel that way? I know it's evolved, but... Yeah, I, I think it, it helped because... It, so look, Jared, Jared and Pete uh, started basically recording in Pete's basement. Uh, and shout out Pete Blackburn. He finally moved out of his mom's house. That only took like five years. Um, but yeah, we, we, were, we were living... We were not living. We were doing the podcast... And what we called Alan Craig Studios uh, down in, in the basement of, of Pete's mom's house. And it, it was the, my favorite thing about the earlier days with the podcast. To, yes, yes, to your point, you're trying to grow it. You're trying to get a brand. You're trying to differentiate yourself from other shows out there. But I just love that we, we would actually get guests that would show up. So we have guests showing up to Pete's mom's house. We're going through the kitchen. She's normally got like cookies or something in there. You know, a lot of she's the nicest lady ever. And they're just walking right through the kitchen, right down into the basement. I'm talking about Kirk Callahan. Uh, yeah, Kirk Callahan. Kirk Minahan. Um, we had Jim Murray. Uh, we had uh, – who else Who else came down there? Jimmy Stewart. We had a lot of people in the, in the Boston Sports you know, media scene coming down into, into Pete's mom's basement to do a podcast. And it is – it's such a – I think that's when it hit me like, okay, if – if we can get people to, to come here, if we can get guests that are known, guests that have an audience, guests that will promote this show 
to their Twitter following. You know, maybe Kirk mentions it when he's on EEI, and you know he's going to mention it in a mocking way. There is zero chance, chance he's going to say, like, I had a great time on the sex tip, because that's just not him. But it was something that gave us a, a, an edge on on the quote-unquote competition. I think one thing that I've not struggled with, but um, tried to find as we've been on this this journey is – not not like realistic competition, but just who it would be because it's a unique show. It's really it's we're Red Sox based, but I know you've you've listened to the pod and it's we we shoot the breeze. It's not all just like oh wow, well this guy you know when the wind is coming in from the west at 15 miles an hour, he has he's a 3.23 average. And I know Jared will sometimes um, you know go into these deep dives and stats, and I by about five seconds in, my head wants to explode. But we, we just kind of keep it casual, but we also know that. You know, we know what our audience wants, and I think that's something that I'll give you credit for with the Bradfoe Show. It's a unique thing because, A, you have access that not a lot of people have, so you can get interviews that I'm jealous of. You're just casually in the, you know, in the dugout with Joe Kelly or J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts. Like, that's stuff that we would bend over backwards for. So you have that edge, but you're also, you're someone I've always looked at uh, in this, you know, environment of... You know, what happened last night? And, and can you explain this? And, oh, my God, this is such a tough start. What, what, do you, what can you say? I've always looked at you as somebody that cannot not like be, you know, cool with the players and laid back and all that, but just someone that they respect as, as a guy that's not going to is not there to just bust their balls every time. Like, I, I think that's why your show works, because you have the right attitude about it and the right. I don't know. I don't want to say casual nature, but it's it's laid back. It's like I'm bird talking, you know, at a bar uh, about the Red Sox instead of writing some ten page essay or some ten page report about David Price and how he lashed out at Evan Drellick. Like that. That's kind of. I think that's a hard thing to do. You're in a like. Do you ever feel like you're in a tricky situation where it's like I got to keep this podcast going, but I'm also writing. I'm also traveling with the team. Like, is your head always spinning just because of all these responsibilities or no? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, that's another, and we'll get to that. I mean, the podcast, one of the things is keeping it rolling. And as I sit here, as I we, we talked in the first few seconds, like I haven't done one for about a week. My goal was to do three or four a week. And I had to do the broadcast in Texas. I was on the road in New York. The David Price shit, we were supposed to do this in Yankee Stadium the other day, and the David Price yeah. shit came up, and it was like, and my head was just like spinning. It was because <laughs> there was a whole lot more to that that was that I had to deal with. And so, anyway, to go back to your question, I mean, I think that the when you talk about a podcast, the struggle, another struggle, I think, is to find the right tone, to find the audience, and to keep that consistency and f- figure out what they want. And um, and I, first of all, thank you for the kind words. But uh, but it's it's the the player. So I have access to a lot of these players, and but not the player podcast, the player interviews can be tough because number one their time is so limited you know as well as i do i mean it's when you like you guys had joe kelly the other day right yeah yeah and he he came in studio which is you don't always get that so right but but that was but you need the best one of these are when it's not a time restraint and you're just talking and so when you get the players, that opportunity to do that is so few and far between because, like, they'll ask, how much time do you need? And I lie and I say 10 minutes, knowing it's going to be 25 or 30. But you need that, and that's the, that's the most difficult thing. And so um, 
I uh, to go back to the player stuff, like I think at, across the board with all these podcasts, I think you said it. You just want it to be feel like you're having beers with a guy, a casual conversation. But when I'm sitting down with Craig Kimbrell uh, the other day, like. I, I mean, I know Kimbrel a little bit, but he's not like gonna be like Kelly, where you're just gonna be like like busting balls and everything. And so you're sort of like, all right, I have 15 minutes. I have to make sure I get to these points, and it's not gonna be that loose. And maybe there's a value. I mean, I don't know if you feel that way, but there's a value to each of it. I prefer the ones where you're just sitting down and bullshitting, and then you ultimately get to the the talking points. But it's a it's a challenge to like actually find that casual conversation, which I think you guys have. I think the the most important thing when we have interviews when we're lucky enough to have players is the first five minutes of the interview is extremely important because first off they don't really know. I mean, Jared has obviously built up his his you know identity in this in this industry, specifically in Boston. Um, I'll give the kid credit. I mean, we, we, he works his ass off. I work my ass off. We equally work very hard on this podcast. He then does the stuff with Barstool. I'm doing stuff with Bleacher Report. So keeping all of that, you know, above sea level can be, can be a grind. But back to, I don't know, I got off the, got off the rails there. So back to, with the first five minutes of an interview are so, so, so important because you need the player to know kind of what you're about in a very quick amount of time like you gotta the listeners have been tuning in uh some of them five shows some of them 10 shows some of them over 150 shows and this guest might not even know going into the interview what the podcast is so you basically have to give that vibe and create that environment within three to five minutes which is very tricky and the guys that i love the players that we have on the guests we have on that i love are the ones that know going into it kind of how it's going to go because they're ready for these kind of questions. The first question we ask, and we ask you this, is side boob or under boob, which yeah. is such a dumb thing, but it's something that Jared does. And I know even in, you know, I think my dad listened to it, he's like, Stephen, this is stupid. I'm like, you know what? It is. But it's something that I think is, is just different than other. You're just not going to get that. It also kind of sets the tone for, you know, how the rest of the show is going to go. So. The key ingredients, I would say, for the best player interview is, A, that you don't have a time restraint. That is very tricky. And to your point, it, it makes you feel like, okay, I'm just going down these lists of questions. You can't really branch off of his answers as much. You more just have to hit bullet points. And that can kind of create for a, a crappy product. That can that can lead to just, okay, well, he answered the questions, but it was all just kind of like it was a media scrum. It didn't really feel like we were sitting down, uh, shooting the breeze. didn't really feel like that. So you, no time restraint is very important. Having the right player for the moment is very important. Joe Kelly, as crazy as this sounds, and I know you you cover this team closer than, than any of them, on opening day, we all wanted this guy dead. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted Joe Kelly's head. And and now, you know, what, a month later, a little over that, he was the best guest that we could have the day before a Red Sox-Yankees series in New York between the two best teams in baseball. And that blows my mind. That absolutely blows my mind. But he was the perfect guest to have. And him and Jared didn't have the best relationship, and they kind of fixed it a little bit recently. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll come on the show. And, and, and it's always better when they're in studio because you get the genuine reactions. We can record what they're doing. We obviously have the audio going, but now we've added the video element. We always had that with the Google Hangouts. Like, that's a very important part. I think seeing people's faces really adds to your identity. It adds to, um, 
you know, your brand instead of just hearing a voice when you put a face behind it, it really means a lot. So, like, anytime you get visual content like that, I think it's huge. Even if you get a guy like Devers saying, Bravo Show, like, that's important because it's like, whoa, that's... That's brand recognition. Like, even if it's Devers who can barely speak English saying Brad Bro Show, like, it is, it, he is saying your name, he is saying your show. So, when we had Kelly come on, it was great because we didn't, you know, you never know where you're going to get with Joe Kelly. He is a self proclaimed psychopath. So, when he came on, we could kind of tell early on, like, whoa, he's giving us some stuff. And so, when it's like that, it's just you got to feed the hot hand. You got to feed them and you got to try to get them questions and maybe things that might be a little near the line. You got to figure out where the line is as you go along with the interview, which is one of my favorite things to do. Try to figure out, hey, how far are we going to take this? Like, wait, like, what are we going to, how, how behind the scenes are we willing to go here? And Kelly gave us some great stuff. I mean, one of the quotes was, was phenomenal, basically saying that before the brawl, like right when Tyler Austin's about to come out, he just gets the, sh- like, Kelly got the shark eyes. Like, he, he blacks out. And he goes into instant serial killer mode. Right when he said that, I was like, that's making a quote card. That quote, that quote right there is going to get out there. And we, we end up tweeting it out. Somebody must have gotten a hold of it because it had like 3,000 likes. No quote card should ever get that much. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, having no time restraint, the right player for the moment, and just genuine conversation that isn't that BS media like, I'm just here for our teammates, you know, we're – it's a long season, 162. It's a grind. You know, we're just trying to win these ball games. Like that. That's the kind of crap that our, our listeners don't want. And and Kelly, to his, to his credit, gave us a lot of good stuff. It was like an hour and 20 minutes or so, and that is wild. That that does not happen with these interviews. Like for you, what what would be the average length of an interview for your uh, show? Is it like 15? Yeah, it's it it varies. It's like you know, it's. It's basically like if you, uh, yeah, I would say between fifteen and twenty-five, and and the best ones, as you said, you realize, oh, this went twenty-five, thirty. That for a player, that's a long time to to sit down. Like I remember last year, I got Mookie in the in the dugout for about twenty-eight to thirty, and. There was a reason it was twenty eight to third because he actually started just talking, just be, yeah. being a human being, and not that he's not a, he's a good guy, but but just like loosening up a little bit and having a conversation and not looking. You can tell if they're looking at their watch, you know. With like I'll go back to Kimbrel. Kimbrel gave me what I needed him to give to talk about, you know, pitching in the eighth inning, not pitching in the seventh inning. But you know, it was like okay, fourteen minutes right there. That, you know, you know, you were pressing his time. So yeah. yeah, so that's yeah. So I, I totally hear really, you. Really, really, really quick with Mookie Betts, because I'm pretty sure I just want to make sure this was with you. The line where he said he thought the 2016 was kind of he couldn't get any better than that. Was that was that with you? Was that was that on the show? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that that line. I kid you not. That comes up every episode of our podcast in one way or another, and it's kind of an ongoing joke now. Where it's like, at what point of the show? Are we going to talk about how crazy it was that Betts told Bradfoe that he's not going to top his 2016 season? Because it's it's insane. We're talking about Mookie Betts. I mean, this is this guy's in the running for MVP right now, and and that's a crazy line. Like, I'll I'll ask you. I'll flip it to you. Like, when you get a line like that, are you thinking, "Oh, I got something"? Because a, a lot of times in the moment, I'm always thinking about what's going to promote this show. Yeah, like, be the best maybe soundbite, the best quote. Like we're still. This is two. This is that was like two seasons ago. 
and we're still talking about that line that he gave you. Do you realize that in the moment, or is that like an after the fact, like, oh, wait, this will actually play really well? No, no, and I think you do this when you're writing a story, too. You're always sort of, okay, that's your lead, or that's, and with a podcast, that's absolutely what you're thinking. I'm thinking probably along the lines of what you guys, or what you're, you're thinking, which is, this is the one, now I have... Um, uh, you you know Mike Grinnell at all? Who does spit and oh, checklist? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he was he was the guy that uh, got me the ESPN New Hampshire thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm good buzz with Mike. Yeah, so so Mike helped me with my podcast you know, about a year or so ago, and he's a great guy. Does a spit and chiclet podcast for for Bostrol. Really, like I, I was I'm I'm fascinated by the whole thing. So he he was interesting working with him, and he was recently he was like Camtasia. He's like you got to get Camtasia, which is yes. yeah, which is the was it like an editing like a video editing software which which helps makes the things that we're talking about to promote the podcast, right? So yeah, I, I introduced him to Camtasia. Oh, like, then thank you. Then I appreciate. I'm like, it. It, it's, yes, I'm like it's Camtasia. <laughs> no, it, it is a lifesaver. Yeah. So. So now I'm thinking, to your question, now I'm thinking, what is the thing I'm going to pull from there? And maybe before that it was, what am I going to pull for a blog? Because this goes to what I want to talk about, which is the challenge now you have is with all these podcasts, which is separating yourself. And so you have, so you have to take moments like that. For us, a lot of times... You have to put it in a blog. You have to have this has to, this is news. This is a thing. Or maybe you do it in the Camtasia. Maybe you do a quick video that you tweet out. But you have to find a way to separate it yourself. And I mean, I, I'll ask you, like, in terms of like the last year or so, that you guys have have, have taken off and you've grown. But still, there is that challenge. How do you how do we separate ourselves from the other podcasts? And maybe it's as simple as taking the best two quotes, putting it on a video that you tweet out. I don't know. But there is that is the more of the challenge than ever. Yeah, I, I think from, from my perspective being... Because when I came onto the show, I was really just a producer. Like, I, I was really just making sure, you know, like, if, if we needed stats or if we needed to grab, uh, you know, find a quote that they were referring to, stuff like that. As we grew on, I mean, I knew I could also be a voice of, of the show because I had hosted a sports radio show at Endicott for three years, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. So after, I don't know, I'd say about 20, 30, 40 shows in, then I'm actually becoming a voice on the show and then realizing, okay, this is a whole lot of work now because we have to prepare ourselves as if we're, you know, we're going to host the show. I, before, I was just coming up with topics and really just kind of, you know, improvising on the fly. But now it's like, okay, we have all these topics. We got to hit these points. We got to, I'll come up with segment ideas because that a lot of the times is what we get our promos from. Um, one of our biggest things for engaging with our audience and, 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 and to your question, kind of staying ahead of the curve is coming up with segment ideas and, and ways that we can re relate with the listeners that you're not going to get elsewhere. Our biggest thing that, cause we, we've thrown a lot of, a, a lot of stuff out there and some of it hasn't worked. Some of it does, but that's kind of how you get better. You got to experiment with stuff and down in the DM is by far my favorite thing. It's something that has worked out very well. Um, I'm just glad that I, I forget who it even it was. Maybe it was YG or some rapper. I mean, I, I, I'm blanking on the rapper that, that came out with the song Down in the DM. Maybe without that song, we wouldn't even thought of the segment <laughs> idea. But that song was a jam. Everybody loved it. And I was like, wait up. We can we can have listeners just send us DMs. It, it, we told all of them, we're not going to use your full name. We're just going to use your first name. So you can basically be anybody. And... And that's a great way to kind of 
take off the edge. If you didn't want to tweet us the question because of it would go back to your name, just send us a DM and we're going to keep your, your information private. And it creates for great content. Some of the stuff that we get in there, some of the questions we get asked are insane. They're absolutely insane. And it's stuff that, that we then talk about and put our spin on. And it then creates this product that you're just not going to get elsewhere. Like that, that's what I pride myself in that we've created a show. We've created this brand almost that you're just not going to get uh, with a different show and no offense to any other Red Sox shows. The only other real Red Sox podcast that I consider doing stuff that, um, you know, like catches my eyes is, is really what you're doing because of a, of your access and B, you understand that it can't just be an audio thing. Anyone that approaches the podcast is just audio is stupid. That, that is so dumb, especially in this day and age, Twitter, Instagram, even, you know, people are still on Facebook. You need, need, need visual content. You need to be like, hey, here's this, our guest, and here's a picture of me with the guest in the studio we just recorded in. It, it breaks down that extra wall, and it really, it directly connects your listener to the people that you have on the show, to the guests you have on the show. And even when I've gone through your, you know, the the handle, the Twitter handle of the show. Yeah, I haven't. I, by the way, I haven't done a good job with that. I, 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 I mean, hey, it's. I don't think it's that bad because it, it's understandable. You have a lot on your plate, but you, I can tell that you know when you're doing this stuff. Hey, let me, let me, you know, get a 20 second clip of David Ross right now talking about, you know, the show, or let me get this, you know, audio wave, uh, you know, MP4 of of Craig Kimbrell. With a picture of it it, it, it creates this extra layer, this extra element that you're not going to get on other shows that just upload to iTunes and on their personal Twitter say, hey, please download, rate, and subscribe and all that. We try to make the content talk and not us just say download, rate, subscribe. We want you to see the content and then think, wait, I, I got to download this. What I would be stupid not to. So it is a blessing and a curse because there's not a second of the day that goes by that I'm not thinking of content or thinking of a way we can grow the show. Oh, we should do that promo. Oh, wait a second. Let's see if we can get that guest. If we can get him that day, that would be great. So it does make you kind of crazy because I'm always thinking about stuff and I'm always working on new ways to make the show better. But I think that's the only way to differentiate yourself if you're never really off the clock. That's that's a very important part of this. Well, yeah, you said it, differentiate yourself. I mean, that's what it comes down to, separating yourself. And you're right. I think that and, and this goes to the, the topic of baseball podcasts, and it's kind of stupid because you guys have your podcast. I'm trying to do a podcast. Once in a while, someone will pop up. Like, I know Evan tried to do one for, like, two seconds. He tried to, like, <laughs> talk to, like, GMs, which he was... I mean, yeah, Drellick basically is, is the, the, the fourth guest of our show. He's been on our show four or five times now, which is absolutely insane. We were going to have him on. Uh, this week, but he had to go to, to, to Russo. He was on Russo's show. He's uh, Drellix, Drellix, you know, hot stuff. You know, oh, just just ask him. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a big deal. Well, it's, it's you know, but I the, he I as I've said many a times, he was the only one up until the last Lou Merloni tapes that I did a podcast which which I couldn't use because he wouldn't <laughs> stop yapping. He like I was trying to get the mic back and forth, so whatever. But he tried to do one. He tried to talk about you know with David Stearns, Brewers GM, and that you know this and that. But that comes back to the challenge, which is. Which is, you, I think that, you know, I appreciate you saying this stuff about the, the players and the access and everything else, 
but it's also entertaining. Like you have to have the entertainment value, whether no matter what that entertainment is. Maybe in part of that entertainment is the the visual part of it, but also is if if they think that I, some of the worst podcasts or views wise I've done have done been with players because it's not it's not perceived anyway as entertainment, and I think that's the biggest. That's the thing that I don't think that writers and people in baseball and podcasters understand that that's what it's about yeah i think that there's been a lot of people that have reached out to me a lot of maybe graduating college students or you know people that want to get in the industry and say like oh like you know love the pod everything you guys do is great like i'm trying to start up myself you know any any pointers and there's just a lot of times that i have to overemphasize if you're gonna do it make sure you do it well Make sure it's not just because everyone else is doing a podcast. Make sure that you're bringing something to the table that isn't already out there or else you're completely wasting your time. And I don't think people realize how much work goes into it. It's a second full-time job for me. It, it is a nonstop thing. And as you're well aware of with the, the baseball season, it, it's such a grind. It, trying to you know stay up with all the topics, make sure that you're creative, coming up with new ideas – and for two shows a week, that that's a lot. That's why you even saying three to four shows a week, Bradford, that's a lot. Nah, that was that was over ambitious. And I'll tell you where that was born from though, Steve. It was like it was born from I'm trying to find a way to we're talking about separating ourselves and doing something yeah. different. And and I had gone through spring training and you know, I'd done a few and I thought that some of them were good and some of them that really didn't hit in terms of clicks and everything else. And it was, it was really a hit or miss. And I was like, how do you separate yourself? All right, I'm going to do it. So, so consistently where it's just going to become a thing. And, you know, I've done it four times a week, maybe once or twice. You know, I've done three times a week, two times a week, this week, <laughs> once a week. But, uh, it's. It, I listen. I when David Ross looked in the camera and said, I, "I can't wait for it to be four times a week." I knew that that wasn't happening. <laughs> but but you knew you knew you knew right right then and there that that was not going to happen. No, no. But uh, but I but I you know it's you're right and it's it's hard to do it's hard to do all the time. But at the same time, I go back to the reason why I did it. I'm trying to do something that clicks, and whether it's whether it's when you drop it. What day you drop it on? How long it is? These are all the little things that I'd be honest with you. I'm still trying to figure out, and and I'm yeah. It's well, real quick. Sorry to cut you off, but like it's we we were at a point where like we were growing the show, but we never had a consistent drop date. There would be a couple weeks that go by, and we hadn't done one. And we're like, well, we got to we got to do one now. And so we'd go to Pete's place and and record a show and put it out there. And the length would vary, too. It would be two hours, maybe somewhere 50 minutes. There was less to talk about. And that inconsistency is actually a big deal. Like I think the biggest thing we realized, I think it was around the 2016 season or so, later in that season, we realized we need to start having a specific drop date every week. At that point, we were doing one show a week, and our schedules were all over the place. It was, it was really hard to figure out when we could all do one. I know Pete is a very hockey based person so he was he would be sometimes hockey games got in the way for him um jared had other stuff going on comcast so that would get in the way so it got really tricky trying to line up a time that we could all do and one of the most important things that we've realized now what in our in the fourth season of doing the show uh fourth red sox season is you have to just find a consistent time there has to be a consistent time to drop and so that people know like like this morning 
people are probably very excited that listen to the show. There's a new pod because they know it's going to be there. They're going to they're going to go to work and listen to us talk about our experience at Yankee Stadium this week, which has been a nightmare. And and that's that's that reliability is very important. So I, I think that's honestly half the battle. It really is. And we got a lot of good feedback too. And they were like, we love that. You know, we know when it's going to be out and, and we know when it's going to drop because then people can make more time for you, knowing that you're going to be there at a certain a certain time of the week. Yeah, that's that was a weird thing. So I look at I without before I did any sort of research on it, I actually thought, oh, Fridays must be a good day because people go on their treadmill, they go for a run, they do their things on Saturday, they have a lot more time to listen to it. And then you realize from what everyone says, like, no, not necessarily. I mean Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, still people it's it's still like an internet driven uh, thing and we all know the weekends and the internet it's it's a rough time so it, it's i don't know man i like i don't it, it's just a hard hard thing to like to to say this is how you do it this is absolutely the way you do it and it's even more difficult to actually do it that way like you said the scheduled time i am totally with you a million people have told me that but i am like when i'm running around and i'm like oh i gotta get this guy or in and okay now i'm gonna drop it here and I, it's, it's it's just a it's just a I think it's like a lot of these things in our world we live in. We're trying like to your point, you're trying to figure it out as you go. Yeah, and and, and it's it's tough for you too if you're going to try to get a, consi- a consistent show out and then you know price goes on you know gets sent home and he's he's got he's got the tingly fingers again. Like that that's something that you then have to cover and that can mess with the schedule. So real quick on on the on the Friday thing. That's one of the biggest mistakes we made. Our biggest guest that we've had is Pedro Martinez. I don't know if you heard of him. Decent pitcher for the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Used to pitch for the club. And and we we were told like Thursday night or so, Jared had texted me being like, hey, I think I got something big. And half the time that means that he just got like a couple slices of pizza. So I was hoping that this was actually a real thing. And he was like, later he's like, hey, we, we got Pedro. We have Pedro tomorrow. Can you do it? And luckily enough, I was, I was off the next day because my schedule can be all over the place. And so we started to tease it on social media a little bit, which is something we've learned to come back on a little bit because you never know what guests. You never know if something comes up last second. And the last thing you want is to promise someone of, of Pedro Martinez's caliber and then say, whoops, we didn't get him. So we, we lucked out because we did tease it and we actually, it actually did work out. We did get him for a Friday interview. Um, it was such a random thing because he, he could only do a phone call. So we had to do it on Skype. And the quality wasn't great. It wasn't bad, though. We got a good, solid 15 minutes. This this kind of reminds me of an interview you've had where it, it felt more business-related than kind of a laid-back thing. I think his wife was sitting right next to him on the phone, so he could only be so crazy. Um, but the worst thing that we did was I ripped that thing. I turned that around as quickly as possible, editing-wise. And we we dropped that podcast. We just, we just kind of as a group talked for about five minutes. We're like, when do we drop? When should we? We've teased it all day. I feel like we're, we've kind of cornered ourselves into dropping it that day because you're not going to drop it on a Saturday or Sunday that would be dumb but I've learned it's almost just as dumb to drop on a Friday so we dropped it at 4.45pm on a Friday which is possibly the dumbest time that you can (laughs) drop a podcast and especially with a Hall of Famer like it's I I understand and and, and to your point I totally get like people go for jogs people are in a casual mood during the weekend doesn't work though it doesn't work it's it sounds good it sounds like a good idea but it's just not it's it's people do stuff on the weekends and it's stuff that like i 
I, I think I'm so attached to the team and, and Twitter 24-7, seven days a week, that you got to take a step back and be like, this is when people are trying to get away from their phones. This is when people are trying to go down to the Cape, uh, you know, not do what we're doing, not do the whole listen to podcast thing. That kind of gets them through the week. So I think that was our biggest mistake since we've come on is – is dropping the Pedro episode Friday at 4.45 p.m. That was so dumb. But um, that's, the, that's the stuff you learn. You, you, you live and you learn, especially with a podcast. And, and it's stuff that, you know, reminds you that you need a schedule and reminds you that even if you don't have a schedule, earlier in the week is definitely always better. So let me ask you this. So you come from a, a great place to ask this question. What, what are we doing wrong? Like, what are we doing wrong? The people with the access, what are we doing wrong? Um, what can be better? What uh, What do people want more of from, from you know, you, you have the world and obviously you have a huge following and it's really working. You said you try some things out, some things work, some things don't. Down the DM, that worked, that's great. But as you said before, you know, I have access, we have access. What are we doing wrong and what can we do better? I think we is the right way to put it because a lot of stuff that you've done, I've noticed and liked. Uh, we as a Red Sox, you know, beat. Um, definitely got to mention Pete Abraham. Basically, don't do anything he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bad idea. Um, but it's just, I, I think, just being relatable. Uh, being relatable and, and using your access to the players in a positive way um, and, and just using it to to get as much content as you can that's genuine. I know it's tricky for you because you have to have, you know, your distance with the players. You, you can't be all buddy-buddy with everybody. Well, and, and I, I think I think that, not to interrupt you, but I think that I should never say that on a podcast, not to interrupt you. That's uh, never, <laughs> never do that. Um, but... Uh, but you know, I think that I think when I was on your guys' podcast, you guys were asking that question. That was the uh, that was uh, the right after the Joe Kelly and Rick Porcello Twin Peaks uh, uh, episode one um, uh, podcast. Where where this is how I want this is that that's what I would want to do. I want to do that every week where you go to a bar and you drink and you eat and you talk. And but it's as I think I said there, there has to be a caveat to it. There's a caveat with Kelly, there's a caveat with Porcello where you say, "Listen, we can do this, but if you do something stupid, I'm going to write about it, I'm going to talk about it, I am going to yeah. potentially rip you." I mean, and and people can believe that or not. But I can tell you that that is always, always the, the flip side of this coin. And some guys can, can accept that and some guys can't. But you're right. I mean, I think it is a challenge. And, and when I come back to, uh, you know, like dealing with the players and having, you know, any sort of relationship with them, it's like it's not relationships. It's just being human being. I mean, it's yeah. they want they appreciate, I think, just not going up to them and saying launch angle this and launch angle that. And, OK, I'm amusing you for your your expertise on your swing path. And, you know, so I, I think that and whether people can believe it or not, but that's my approach anyway. I think having having a realistic relationship with the players is something that they respect. One of the biggest things that Kelly said, Joe Kelly said to us that jumped out was uh, I think Jared had asked him something about, do, do you remember a quote in spring training where you said, you know, in the offseason you got really good at tennis or something like that? And he was like, oh, yeah, that was complete BS. Like, I, I don't play tennis. Like, that was just, he goes, that was just something to say to the media. And he had this smile on his face where I was like, you can tell these guys deal with the media in ways that they want to. In their head, it's almost like they have an algorithm. This is kind of my theory. 
that when you do 162 games, you see the same faces in the clubhouse. It's almost like they have twitches in their brain that look at a certain guy. It's like face recognition. Oh, this guy wrote that about me. Oh, this guy said that about me. I'm going to give him nothing. And I think that happens with a lot of these guys because Kelly told us, we asked them point blank. We were just like, what percentage of your answers in the clubhouse are genuine and what percentage aren't? And he said 60% of the stuff he says is not genuine, (laughs) (laughs) which is just crazy. And, And who knows? I mean, that could just be Joe Kelly being Joe Kelly and just saying whatever. But it just reminded me that I wouldn't say what you need to do better, but just something that maybe even more of would be stuff like the, the Porcello sit down, the Kelly sit down. I understand it's easier to do in spring training yeah. when you're not in a pennant race, um, you know, and, 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 and that, that is the tough thing. It is, it is tough. And a reason why the Kelly interview was so good for us to have was obviously all the stuff with the brawl. But the fact that it's in season, it's fresh, and I, I think these players are finally coming around to that. Honestly, in 2015, to me at least, looking around, it was unheard of for these players on the Red Sox to be on a podcast. That just didn't happen. Right. And so, what's up? No, other than Adrian Gonzalez. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the OG Red Sox podcast back in 2012, and everybody talks about it. Um, but minus minus that Bradford OG one with Aegon, it isn't really common, and it's it's something where. Like, you might be in the clubhouse just getting audio, and then you guys play it on EEI or something like that. But it's not like, hey, we're sitting down. You know, do you want a water? Do you want this? Do you want that? We're just going to kind of shoot the breeze. Like, it's not – it wasn't really like that. And I'm just so thankful that it is now. One of my favorite things in podcasting – this is kind of getting off the eh, – it's not really getting off the topic. This is staying under the podcast umbrella. Uh, Bill Simmons, I've always followed him pretty closely. His sit-downs that he's had with Kevin Durant on that show – are phenomenal because it, it touches up on all the things I mentioned. They're, they are not time, uh, there's no time restraint. It's with a perfect figure, a relatable figure, the right person to have on that show that fits that brand. And there are really no limits. And that creates for my literal favorite thing in the world, which is just a genuine hour of behind the scenes, behind the curtain conversation that you're just not going to get elsewhere. You're not going to get that in the clubhouse. You're not going to get that in the media scrum. And so that's how we can then one-up the people that have media access, which is unheard of really four or five years ago. That just wouldn't have happened. So I think that's something that we've capitalized on, which is like, okay, use your following uh, as, as a positive for the following. We have used our following to provide a, you know, a product that those, those followers can't get elsewhere. And I think that's, that's very important. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is. You hit on it, which is, you guys, whether you're getting someone or not, uh, what you want to get someone, you want to have an hour sit down with someone notable, someone marketable and everything else. But you guys also do a good job of, of talking about what's going on. And I think that's another thing we get bogged down in. I look around the clubhouse and I said, who's available? Who could give me 20, 20 minutes? And, and then you're tying yourself in the knots to make that actually relate something that people want to listen to at that moment you guys are talking about what's going on oh the david price stuff oh the yankees feud uh, obviously the joe kelly stuff and i think that for for writers and for people who have the access sometimes they're like oh hey listen i got mitch moreland like okay well that's great and it might be a good interview but what how you know what what is going to get some traction off of that why why should people care when they're so fired up about what you guys are talking about, whether you have a guest or not. And I think that's another thing, trap that we fall into. I was able to get, um, this is funny, I mean, I was able to get Brock Holt. So Brock Holt was on fire. So 
I I got him. I said, hey, you got, you know, can we do this? We got him. He was, I thought he was pretty good. You, you guys have had Brock hold on before, right? Yeah, with Ben Tendi. He was my favorite guest by far, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so got him. He, I mean, he was like, his brand was hot. So, <laughs> and so we did it. I'm literally, no lie, Steve, I'm literally going to push the button on the publish on the, on the, uh, on the website. And, and the minute I'm pushing it, he, he pulls up lame between first and second with this hamstring injury. <laughs> so uh, what I wanted to do, like I was actually trying to, he came back in New York. I wanted to get a video of him, you know, saying that he's never going to go on the podcast again because whatever. <laughs> but it's, but I guess my point is, is that it went from this really, really pertinent guy to just a Brock Holt interview, like in a matter of a second. And I think that's the, that's the problem I think we also run into. Yeah, I, I think one thing that we try to do, and, and obviously it helps creating a following in the, in the Red Sox world because then people will just kind of tune in to see what you have to say. Like that. I think that for, for it to be a, a successful baseball podcast, when we're talking about how many things happen in a week, it's pretty crazy how quickly stuff gets dated. Like, if we were just talking about that Rangers series, that feels like a couple weeks ago now. And, and that was, what, like four days ago. So I think keeping it fresh and, and having you having the hosts of the show guide it, having their opinions guide it, and then the guests, I, I consider them PEDs for the show. I consider the guests steroids, and and that's what enhances uh, the product to a level that it, it, it maybe thought it couldn't get to. Uh, having Pedro on enhanced us, brought us to a level that I never thought we were going to get to. Doing a podcast in Kurt Schilling's house, like that was wild. I, I still can't believe that, even though Kurt's Kurt's can be a Yahoo. But like that, that's the tough thing. Everyone's like, oh, like the Schilling thing. Like, he's such like a, he's a jerk, right? I'm like, no. If you talk baseball with the guy. It's a blast. So I, sometimes you do have to cut other, you know, cut some of the other BS out and just and just talk ball. And and that's when you get these guys in a natural element because a lot of them talking about the retired guys, they don't have that day to day anymore. They don't have that, you know, shooting the breeze with guys in the clubhouse anymore. And maybe they'll give that to you. Maybe they'll they'll start doing that with you on the show. And I think that combination is is enormous but Brock Holt Brock Holt is awesome I, I love love Brock Holt people get on me for being like oh like you only love him because he's on the show um no we love him because he was A he was great on the show and we just think he's a funny guy good clubhouse guy not a bad player obviously what made an all-star team for this for this team um and it's just, he's just a genuine dude we, we should be able to differentiate we should be able to to like the players as who they are for people and not just base our entire interest and our entire investment on these guys based on what they do, you know, in innings one through nine. I just think that's shallow. I don't know. I, I think that's kind of pathetic. But No, no, um, no, I, no I think that that's the goal, right? To make these guys, or not make them, but when you're gonna, if you're going to do it, to have it come off as they're human beings. You mentioned the Kevin Durant podcast you know you guys yeah. mentioned you know your joe kelly interview with card shilling like you you want them to feel like it's they're they're human beings and you are not just going down the list of questions with a baseball player yeah exactly and i, I think that's half the battle honestly is kind of cracking that that barrier down uh and just creating the environment where where it's just casual i think that's something that we sometimes struggle with as a lot of people do but if you can get it, it's great. The tough ones, the tough interviews are when you expect a lot and you can tell pretty quick it's just not going to be great. And and that's a low blow because you had high hopes and whatnot. And 
I won't name names, but there's been a couple of them where it's like, ah, man, this could have been, this could have been better. This could have really been, this could have really been a good one. So those are tough. But then there are also guests that you didn't really expect that much from, and then they they surprise you. So um, it goes both ways. I, I think just my biggest thing overall is to be as consistent as you possibly can to make sure that the product lives up to the past stuff that you've made and, and goes past it honestly I'm, I'm never trying to just do the same stuff over and over mm. we're always trying to do whatever the next thing is and try to get ahead of the curve and and, and that sounds so cliche but it's just you're trying to create something that people go whoa like you see what these guys did like I've, i haven't seen this so um it, ta- it takes a lot of people too like i, I work endless hours just up until 4 a.m last night doing promos and and but we have a lot of people behind the scenes that are that are working their tail off and um, I, I think that's the biggest misconception with podcasts. You just, you know, turn a mic on and start talking. There is so much more that goes into something that is legitimate. If you want the product to be legitimate, you have to put a ton of time in. And I don't think a lot of people, honestly, I don't think they're willing to put that time in. All right, Steve. Well, I listen, this has gone, uh, this is now the second longest podcast in the history of the Bradford Show. <laughs> that was my goal. That was my goal. Uh, this is talk forever. <laughs> no, it's, it's, but you know, that it goes back to what we were saying. If it's long, it's good because that means you're just talking and it's actually, believe me, it would be like, you, like you said, there's somewhere you say, oh man, this isn't going well. And you're just like, ah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a wrap. Um, or, or they have to bolt, but I appreciate you, you joining and, so what's going? So what's the the last thing is what's uh, what's on tap for you guys? Anything big coming up, or what? We talk about separating ourselves and and taking the next level. I mean, I think I think you guys did honestly with the Joe Kelly interview. I'm going to be honest with you. You have the visual of Joe Kelly and Brian Johnson and Brian. I don't know what Brian Johnson was doing there, right? But BJ <laughs> was basically the producer. He didn't want to be on the show. That was funny. He, he was he the the uh, the inside story. So this all go in the book. But when we did the first Porcello Kelly. Twin Peaks podcast. Brian Johnson was going to be the third person, but he got food poisoning. So he's uh, he's, but he's he's actually. So we did one. I did one with him and Bobby Pointer, which is like at the end of spring training. You're like, oh, Brian Johnson, Bobby Pointer. Like, but it was pertinent at the time. And actually, Pointer was nervous. So you could tell. But yeah, well, of course he's not used to being. No, on no, not a, not a big time podcast like the Brad Rose Show. But uh, <laughs> come on now, it's a front line podcast. Yeah, yeah, but but Brian Johnson, for your, I would absolutely have him back for like if you guys are have like he would be a good one, I think. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. He he when he came in, see, here's the tough thing. Like when I we had been prepping for Joe Kelly for about three four days, and then Brian Johnson, who's also you know friend of the program, um, was also going to come by, but he just really wanted to check out big fan like big cat and, and he wanted to like check out the scene and see what was up he didn't really have intention on coming to the show i think he also didn't want to overshadow joe kelly with this being the red sox yankees week and coming off the brawl and all that so i was like yeah you can sit here if you want he's like all right cool makes me, I, I look like i'm a producer I'm like all right there you go so he he took my job as producer of the second jet podcast so what's next so what's next uh, anything coming up yeah, we have we, we got a couple big guests uh, lined up for the next couple of months. I mean, we keep them secret just because that's uh, that's that's what you got to do. You got you got to keep it secret until you really let things let things out there. Has the has the bar? Are they, what's up? No, I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Has the bar stool element helped you guys? Oh, 100 percent. That, that's something we we you know attached onto barstool about three years ago when we started. It wasn't related to barstool, and Jared wasn't at barstool yet. But when Jared became full time at barstool, they then adopted the show. And um, that's helped it grow a lot. I mean, even with Joe Kelly, when we had him on, they, they posted one of the promos I had did, um, I had made for the Section 10 account, and they put that on the Barstool account, which has a million followers. So it's like that 
can only bump the brand. And so we're trying our best to ride the hot hand right now, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, increase the show's value as much as we possibly can. But, yeah, guests are going to be a big part of that. And one thing that we're really trying to focus in on are Red Sox players that can come in when the Sox are playing the Yankees, when they're in town. So uh, ideally, anytime the Red Sox come to New York, we'll have, you know, one of the players or multiple of the players come into the studio. So we got a lot of big things lined up, a lot of, a lot of secrets. Uh, Jared loves the secrets. So he's always like, Oh, don't tell anyone. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But, um, but no, it, it's big. It, it's, it's to the point now where we're trying to make this, you know, a, a very noticeable show, not just in the Red Sox world, but in the baseball world. So that's kind of the challenge now. And we're, we're trying to attack it. Well, you've come a long way since documenting uh, the the misgivings of uh, of Kirk and Callahan. So, uh, Steve, Steve, man, I really appreciate you taking the time, and um, and I will I will continue to strive to to be as good as you got. And I mean that. I mean, I honestly mean that. I said this all the time: is that we we should learn from like what everybody else is doing. And I think that's the challenge: is that you, you're trying to stay ahead of the curve, you try to separate yourself. And I think you guys do a good job in both those respects. Yeah, I'd say I'd say in, in summary, my only top advice for you is if you could possibly have a consistent drop day. And I understand you've heard that, but I think that did so much for us. That did so much for us when we had consistent drop days. And then we added another podcast, so it's two a week, every Tuesday, every Thursday. Um, that was huge. But no, you'll 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 be your stuff is. I, I I'm a big Brad Poe show uh, supporter. My favorite thing is when people say Brad Poe show and they, they don't know how to it doesn't come <laughs> off right. Like it, it is it is kind of a mouthful. <laughs> when you're trying to say it all as one, it becomes one word. Um, but yeah, I'd say keep getting the people saying Bradford Show. That is yes, my favorite. Yes, yes, yes. I have Joe Kelly's two-year-old son. I have Raphael <laughs> Devers. Uh, yes, that 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 will be a staple, and I pre- I think I'm going to do that. I am going to do that. I am proclaiming. I am going to do. I am okay. I am going to do the scheduled podcast. I after right after I post this one, uh, just minutes after we do this, complete this. But I want to I want to get this one up because I do think it's important to define that this is the only podcast of the week, and it's a good one. Um, and then going forward, and hopefully you'll be on with me again. It'll be awesome, and uh, we'll and we'll actually do it live in New York. Yeah, well, we'll also have to have you in studio. I'll have to have you check out Barstool a little bit. Um, it's it's a crappy studio, but it's a great environment. Great people. <laughs> That's all that really matters. Well, it's it's listen. Crappy studios are what podcasts are all about. Uh, Steve, thanks so much, man. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 